Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Good morning. How are you? Here we are. Uh, we are in the book of John. I've been detouring. Those of you that don't know, my sister, I'm always making accommodations for her. I've been detouring for a month so that she could preach John 4 because she wanted to preach John 4. Didn't she do an awesome job? And I say we let her preach every week. She says no. Okay. Anyway, we preach through books of the Bible here, and we've been preaching through the book of John. And the book of John is a narrative. It's a story of Jesus. It's near and dear to my heart because it is my favorite of the Gospels. The Gospels are these stories of the good news about Jesus. And in the Gospels, we get to see what Jesus is like. And uh, what John tries to get his story to us is that Jesus is God and Jesus is man, but he's divine. And that his experience with God in heaven is translated to us here on earth. He says, no one's ever seen God. We're going to talk about that today. Nobody's ever seen God face to face except for this guy, Jesus. And then he later on in the very end, he says that Jesus, he's written these things about Jesus so that you would believe in him and through him you would have life. And so as we look into his story his narrative of Jesus. It's not just like a a fairy tale. It's not just something. It's actually his eyewitness account because he was a very near and dear friend to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he was one of 12 people who gave up everything to follow after him. And uh, we find out that in the book of John, he often refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. That's how close he was to Jesus. And so when we begin to see John's perspective, we see a lot more about who Jesus is and his heart for people and less about what he did. So when we think about Jesus, we think about these stories of Jesus coming down and he starts teaching and preaching and a lot of the world is even like, well, Jesus was a good teacher and and he has good stories and what a great person to be like. But John is trying to get you to the place where you can believe that he's actually divine, that he comes from heaven and his life serves a purpose for your life now that's bigger than just a good lesson on how to be a good dude. That's bigger than just how to be a good civilian a good humanitarian. He actually is telling you that there is power from God to Jesus for your life. If you have not yet begun to have a revelation of that and begin to see that as we're looking, we're only in chapter four. If you haven't started to look at Jesus's life and say, man, I should be living differently, then I encourage you to just read John over and over and over and over again as we're preaching through it until it comes to life for you. So John is giving us this perspective and he beautifully divides up the book of John. It's like, I always thought it was just kind of like him, like, you know, telling the story like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in his own way. But he beautifully divides it up into where he had these four major sections and then it's divided up by this resurrection of his dear friend Lazarus from the dead. And then he goes into like dividing it up again and, and walking us into the crucifixion. And John is a meticulous writer, but yet he's bringing such vibrancy to our life. Most of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John talks about all the things that Jesus did, and John narrows it down to seven. Now, he talks about Jesus' life, but he only records seven signs, wonders, and miracles of Jesus'. So we've already talked about one where Jesus turned the water into wine. 
Okay, here we go. And then we have Jesus interacting with the woman at the well here. And then we're going to go into one of his miracles, which we're going to talk about today. It is the first of his healing miracles. Healing miracles. And so the Bible talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm going to talk to you for the next couple weeks about the subject of healing. So if you turn into your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 43, and we are going to read through the end of the chapter. Here we go. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. And they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man had heard Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, Come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of God that comes by the spirit alive and well in us. We know that it comes at a high price for this extreme gift. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be so evident and real in this place right now, exposing your love, your heart, and your tenderness for humanity from the throne of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, this is seven miracles that John received. As a matter of fact, if we look at John's account, he is picking up later on in Jesus' ministry. He makes reference to it here. It's like they had heard about all that he was doing during Passover. They were hearing about all that he had done these upcoming years. But John picks out these seven miracles. And for some reason, he talks about, out of all the miracles he did, one of the ones that he decides is the most important is that this guy comes to Jesus. He's a, a nobleman. He's somebody who's very important. He has enough people in his house, his servants, and, and all the servants come running to him. You can imagine the kind of staff that he had. He takes his time to come and find Jesus because his son is sick. Right? And Jesus is just on his way, as, as Ali had talked about, how, how Jesus went from Jerusalem up through Samaria and up to Galilee. He's just going up to Galilee. Galilee is pretty close to his hometown of Nazareth. It's actually the area where most of his 12 disciples are from. Galilee is this, it's a very large lake. We call it the Sea of Galilee, but it's more like a very large lake. And you could probably lose your boat pretty quickly. <laughs> on the wrong day with the way the wind comes across the channel and I've been there and you can walk around maybe in a couple hours 
from the south to the north, from Tiberias, and then up into Magdala, and you can walk around this place of Capernaum, and then Cana's a little further north a couple hours, but he is, that's where he turned the water into wine, but he is going up to this area, and he goes to the place of Capernaum. Capernaum is actually the town where Peter is from. He had been there, he'd hung out a lot, and to think about these people who are just now starting to hear these miracles of Jesus. It's like, it's as if he was there on his first tour, just hanging out, playing rock music in a club for five people. You know what I mean? Like I have a friend who he's like, I saw Nirvana in Kansas City at a dive bar when it was 10 people. And I'm like, no way. So Jesus is just doing miracles. And if you remember in the other gospels, Jesus often said, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody. But he has gotten so much fame. He's coming from Jerusalem up to Samaria. And Allison told us that he introduces himself to this Samaritan woman and she wins the whole town over by her story about Jesus. And when he comes back into Galilee, what we're finding is all these people like, we're not going to miss him this time. They're all excited to come to this place. So much so that a a councilman, a a nobleman, a person who's in the government, and he takes his time to be like, I've heard of this Jesus guy. I got to get to him because if any chance of my son being healed, it's from this guy. The Bible says that his fame had gone through the land. And that word fame actually relates to the ears. It's like the ringing of this Jesus. His name began to ring in all the ears of the people who were around. But most people were not willing to let him pass. And so the nobleman comes and he says, sir, He's like, my son is sick. And Jesus doesn't like, like, hey, you 12, why don't you go find this guy, bring him to me, we'll pray for him. He doesn't just like go, okay, well, take me to his house. What he says is your son will live. That's all he says. And across space and time, Jesus heals this kid at the exact hour. As a matter of fact, he goes back and begins to calculate. He's like, what time was it that my son got better? And he starts thinking and he starts thinking about the time. And he's like, that was the exact time that Jesus's words began to heal his son, because Jesus is not limited by time or space, even though he walks, his power is not limited by what has to happen or ways things interact. What he is waiting for is somebody who will believe him for a miracle. And it seems that in the Bible, when people come to him in faith, believing about who Jesus is, he responds to their faith in him for their life. Now, When it comes to healing, most of us in our life, we want healing. Anybody in here want healing? Right? Anybody want somebody in their life to be healed? Right? We talk about healing quite a bit. We don't always talk about in the context of Jesus. We actually talk about healing more in the context of a hope or a wish rather than an activity that interacts with God himself. But, The Bible is very, very clear. And when I began to study this, I always believed in healing and I always kind of wanted and desired to see God heal. But when I began to look in the Bible about healing, what I found out is that God truly desires to heal his people. And unfortunately, there's been a bunch of religious people throughout the years who have begun to separate God's salvation from his healing 
power. But actually, when Jesus and God and the Bible, when they talk about Jesus being a savior, what they are talking about is healing your soul, delivering it from sin, healing your body, delivering it from ailments, and healing and delivering you from the torments of the devil. And so if you are going to believe in healing and salvation, if you are going to believe in Jesus, you have got to believe that Jesus is the healer. If you don't believe this, you're sadly mistaken about who Jesus is. Now, I'm going to talk to you today a little bit about healing. And then we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to believe about it. And then I'm going to talk about it for a few weeks because I believe that God has made this place into a house of healing. Say amen to that. Do you believe for that? And to be quite honest, I agreed to be your pastor on a few different terms. One was that the glory of God would visit this place and that it would remain and that it would change people around us forever. Second thing is that I want it to be a house of healing. I agree that this house will be a place where we believe God for supernatural miracles, signs, and wonders because that is who God is and he desires to respond to his children. And the third is that this house would be a house of prayer. That prayer would rise up from here and we'd be so close, intimate with God that it would change everything around us. Some people thought I was just going to make it a rock and roll church with smoke and lights, which I've already done. I did that when it was my dad's church. (laughs) Now it's mine and we got to do something different. Just kidding. So, My heart is that you would begin to see and to work past doubt and to work past mental divisions where you don't believe God for healing or believe that that's old fashioned or believe that's old school or archaic in the Bible. And you believe that God is interacting with you right here, right now. So we're going to go on a little journey through the Bible, have your Bible. We're going to go to Isaiah 53. But before that, I want to just point out a couple of verses that we're talking about what John's desire is for us to know about Jesus. Real quickly, John 1, 18 says this. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the father. And he has made him known. Okay. Jesus is making God known. He has seen God face to face. He is the closest person on the planet to God. And he is making him known. At the end of John, John says this about his dear friend, Jesus. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is from God the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, the purpose of Jesus is to reveal the heart of God for his people. That's his purpose. To make sacrifice for sin was the first of many revelations about who God is. If you don't believe that you are 
valued, loved, and cherished by God, you have not looked at the story of Jesus and the compassion in the heart of Jesus who died, who gave up heaven. I won't even get out of my house for most people. You know what I mean? You got to be somebody important. Like, hey, can you come? Yeah, I'll be right, be right over there. Somebody else be like, hey, can you come? It's like, yeah, I got time next Tuesday. I got some brisket on the smoker right now. You know what I mean? Jesus left heaven. Right? You know, like the pictures that you post on Instagram of the ocean and you're like, never coming home. Jesus is like posting pictures of the sea of glass. And he's like, never going home. He loves heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. And he left heaven to come to earth. That is the first of his revealing God's heart for you. So when people come along and go, you need to like get really low and go, I'm not worthy, God. I suck and I'm a worm and I'm worthless. And God's like, are you kidding me? You're worth the blood of my one and only son. Come to the table. Sit down. He wants you to have awareness of how high the price was for you to be interacting with him. It's not just some kind of flippant thing. Anybody want to go to heaven? (laughs) It's like, no, it was a strategic plan to get you, your heart, your soul into heaven. That's the first thing. Second thing is Jesus comes to reveal the heart of God towards your body, your soul, your mental health, all of that. And it is restoration. And thirdly, he comes to reveal how if you are shackled and imprisoned and in complete trapped, for lack of a better word, by the devil and his devices and everything else, whether it's addiction, whether it's mental disorder, all of these things that the enemy would love to put on you, Jesus comes to free you from that. And so that's what John is trying to get you to know. And here's what Isaiah said about it 600 years before. Are you ready? Isaiah 53. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. This is Jesus. Surely he took our pain and suffering. Most people don't believe that verse. Don't believe it. Am I right? How many Christians do you know that believe that? Let's let's do this. How many Christians do you know that if they got to heaven and was like, I believed in Jesus, and then the papers got mixed up. And God accidentally sent him to hell. How many Christians do you think would be like, excuse me? Hey! <laughs> Remember that communion baptism thing? And I prayed the prayer and he said, believe in you. And you said, don't do these things. I didn't do them. And I did all, I did what you asked. I believed in Jesus. And so there must be some kind of mix up. And Jesus is like, oh, that is right. You're here. People would be more intent on believing what God says about salvation than they would be about what God says about healing. Even though probably most people struggle with this one question, am I really saved? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? Remember when somebody finally convinced you that you're going to be okay, you're going to get to heaven. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. Right, And so when somebody goes, hey, you're not saved, you better figure it out. You may not be going to heaven. And you're like, no, I believe in Jesus. It became like a confidence for you. Right? Why? Because Jesus paid the price. Now, 
We got this verse. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. I don't know if I believe that. Why? Because I'm suffering. You'll fight for heaven. I believe Jesus. I'm going to heaven. But you won't fight for the fact that Jesus wants you to be free from pain and suffering. You'll believe the lie of the enemy about it every single day of the week. Yep, this is just your cross to bear. I'll talk about that later. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. Most people want themselves to be punished by God, not Jesus. Jesus was punished by God, took all the sin of humanity, but yet you still believe that some of your sickness and your disease and your problems, you're like, well, this is just what I have to put up with because I made mistakes and God's mad at me. He's punishing me. We don't talk about it here, but there's churches that tell you that. Surely... Took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. That's your sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Jesus was punished so that you could have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, you don't believe in Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed. What does that mean? Oh, that just means that you're going to heaven. It's not really what it says. Here's why I know that. Matthew 8. Okay, this is what happens. Jesus is just like hot on the scene in Matthew. He's hanging out. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed the sick. Say amen to that. That sounds like a great revival. And says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. That's what we just read. In other words, Jesus starts healing people in real time, healing their bodies, healing their minds, doing great works, signs and wonders. Why? Because Isaiah said it. It's not just some kind of hypothetical, oh, that sounds really good. It's not just some kind of ideology. It's not just some kind of like, well, that sounds very allegorical. Maybe that just means that he heals like in a weird kind of like mystical way. He starts casting demons out of people. When's the last time you saw demons cast out of people? Jesus does it. He heals the sick. When's the last time you saw a sick person healed? Like, bam. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities. He's quoting this verse and bore our diseases. Because the salvation of God is associated with the whole healing for your body, for your mind, for your sins. The question is, are we willing to believe in the fame of Jesus. Is it ringing in your ears that Jesus heals? Just real quickly. If you've been in this church, we've prayed for you at any given time and you were healed because of Jesus. I'm just saying like here, not like 20 years ago. I'm talking about like here at this place because we believed and we prayed and and you were healed. Raise your hand if you experienced healing. Okay. Your ears should be ringing about God heals. There's a woman in this church that came to this church because she went to a church that didn't believe in healing and she came in here on a Tuesday. I was given a piano lesson. 
my dad was in the office and she says, they tell me I've got to have surgery. I just had one. They say there's no ball in my shoulder and I don't want to go through another surgery. My church doesn't believe in healing. They won't pray for me. Will you pray for me? I said, yes, ma'am. And the power of God was so thick in this place and she never had the surgery. And I said, I said the other day, it's like, how about your shoulder? I was telling somebody about that. She said, doesn't bother me anymore. Your ears should be ringing about the fame of who Jesus is. And the enemy loves more than anything to attack the truth of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in your life. Jesus went around healing people in Israel in his time. Not everyone was healed, but everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Think about that. As a matter of fact, this verse says, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet is without honor in his own country. That story right there was actually because he was going by his hometown. And he said, the Bible says in another account, it says that he could do no great miracles there because they didn't believe him. They wouldn't even come to Jesus. Like, oh, that's Jesus. I saw the fish that he caught last week. Because you see Jesus' fish, that's a pretty good fish, yeah. He makes a good table. He, that's a good boy right there. But they didn't believe that he was the son of God. They believed he was good. They believed he was righteous. They believed he was nice. He had a good reputation. The Bible said he grew in favor with God and man. People knew who he was, but they wouldn't believe him for healing. And so he couldn't do uh, great miracles there because of, they wouldn't believe him. But it says that he would do a few healing. He would do some healing but he couldn't do great miracles there. And my fear is that ES first, this church, myself included, at the top of that, like, God, am I just comfortable with a few healings? Can you heal cancer? I just believe you for headaches. Can you restore Bodies that are so broken down, they say they're hopeless, but I just believe you for a little bit of healing on a broken foot. Can you do more than what I have asked, think, or imagine, but I've settled for just a few things because I, I just know you? And my fear is that Humanity in general, the church specifically, has given up on the fact that Jesus comes to heal you completely. This word sozo, salvation, is all-encompassing. And to be honest, one of the hardest things, I, yesterday in my office, can I just be real? This is my sermon. I know this sermon. I could preach this in a bathroom stall. I sit in my office. And the enemy says to me, your dad died. Your dad died. I said, Jesus, I don't want to preach this sermon. I told him, I said, I don't want to preach. He said, you either believe me or you don't, Brandon. And I remember I was sick with COVID. I was walking across my bedroom. I was walking back and forth. And I, I, this is what God told me. He said, if there's the whole reason that needs exist, Brandon, is so that I can fill them. If there's a need, I want to fill it. 
and I walked back and forth. I prayed in tongues, and I say, I remember me and Allie, man, we were like, yeah, it's cool. We're going to be building bonfires next Thanksgiving in Florida. And we were so sure that God was going to, it was like God spoke. He said, I'll heal your dad. In one minute, he took his last breath, and the next minute, he was healed. An 80-year-old man. And you don't know this, but I know my dad was tired. Can you imagine being 80 years old and going as hard as he did? That dude went. He worked. I was painting Al's house, and he's like, I'm going to come out and work with you tomorrow. I was like, Dad, just stay home, you know? Like, you're old. <laughs> Yep, we got to get her done, you know. And he did any out. He worked like I was paying him $25 an hour. I paid him zero. I, I kept telling him, I said, Dad, you have got to go home because if you die while you're working for me and I'm paying you zero, Allie will never forgive me. The dude went hard. If anybody was ready to be healed completely in heaven, it was my dad. He was looking for heaven's healing. And so sometimes we look at these moments like up there in the office. God, I don't, I don't want to preach this one. Because my experience is defining how far I'll believe God. Is your experience defining how far you'll believe God? I preached a few weeks ago that I've seen too much to ignore it. And so I'm always confronted with this idea that what if God doesn't heal? And deep in my gut, I've got this thing that says, you've seen too much to not ignore it. You've seen too much to to ignore it. You've seen too much to not approach. You've seen too much to not pray. You've seen too much to not believe. You've seen too much. And so... I was just talking to somebody this week. I preached at Nexus Church and uh, like three years ago on a Wednesday night. This is John Perkey's church. He comes here and preaches for us revivals. And when he introduces me to people, he says, Brandon preached here on a Wednesday night. He preached about healing and it launched healing in our church. And we've been having revivals and all this stuff since then. He introduces, hey, this is Brandon. He preached here on a Wednesday night and he preached about healing. It kind of launched this whole thing. And I was like, really? Because me and John Perky are kind of two peas in a pod. We kind of believe a lot of the same things about how God heals and restores. And so a friend of mine was like, hey, and, and uh, they were talking. My name came up and this lady goes, I know that guy. He preached on a Wednesday night, three years ago. And me and my husband still talk about it. We were just talking about it two days ago. Because he said that he interacted with somebody who had an ailment and he just said, do you want that gone? And he prayed for him and they were healed. So now every time I'm hurting, I say, baby, I'm, I, I need to go lay down. I'm sick. Or I'm kind of feeling a congestion in my chest. They say to each other, you want that gone? And they believe God to heal their bodies. And, she, and you know what? He does. 
He does. They just approach God in a different way. And so we have this great councilman who has heard of Jesus' fame. It's ringing in his ears over and over and over again. And he comes to Jesus. He's like, hey, my son is sick. And I imagine he wanted him to come and touch him and, and do a prayer meeting and a kumbaya and a great song service. And that would be so awesome. And Jesus is like, go ahead and go home. He's healed. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very eventful. And he just goes away. And I imagine like that was a, probably a pretty long walk of believing God. Okay, Jesus said he's healed. Jesus said he's healed. But what if he's not healed? Jesus said he's healed, but what if it what if it doesn't go the right way? What if I get there and he's dead? What if I get there and I believe God? And I could have had a whole prayer meeting. And we could have like maybe went to the temple and sacrificed. And we could have like had communion or something. And then we could maybe I could get baptized. And that would be more things that I could do. But Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus doesn't even say, Oh dear God, let him be healed. Jesus doesn't say, Oh dear God, come and heal him. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He just says he's healed. And so when I started studying healing, I realized that probably we don't see enough healing because we don't believe or even pray or even think about God in the right fashion. All we do is size up our shortcomings and our experience with healing and then go, we make a a calculated decision. Judging by my pie chart here, The death rate and, uh, you know, how much this doesn't get healed in every church that I've been into. Can I just say this? Jesus was going about the land and there was a church in every town. It's called a synagogue. And there were sick people. There were lame people. He goes in there and he heals a guy on the Sabbath day. He says, hey, you got a shriveled up hand? You want that gone? And the guy's like, Yeah. And the church is like, you can't do that here. It's the Sabbath. And he's like, watch me. And he tells the guy, says, stretch forth your hand. And he's like, do what? This is a shriveled up hand. He's like, stretch it forth. Which is an act of faith to say, okay, Jesus, you want me to do it? I'll do it. I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I'm not enough. And he goes, ah! and he's got a hand. Meanwhile, everybody's having church. You know what they're doing? Singing their favorite songs, blessing each other. Oh, how you been all week? Oh, I've been praying for you. Have you? Cool. Well, nothing's changed. Pray a little harder. We don't expect God to do anything. We're just like a bunch of like nursing nurses running around like talking about like, can I get you anything? Well, I'm really hurting and I'm suffering. Oh, it'll get better. That's what happens. You know, you want the TV up a little louder? Just nursing everybody to sickness. Nursing everybody to complacency. Forgive me. It's like, this is my my hot button topic, okay? And this is what I got to preach to myself. So I started looking about how Jesus healed. And the more I looked, the more I was convinced that Jesus wants to heal. We go, well, you know, God, if you can, somebody asked you that, if you can. And guess what Jesus said? I will. I'm willing. I can. 
We take Jesus' great prayer where he's in the garden. He's like, I want your will, but not my will. And we go, that's what we pray when we do things that God told us are included in salvation. Nobody prays the prayer of salvation. Oh, dear Lord, forgive me my sins. I want to follow after you if it's your will, if you'll take me. Nobody does that. They know that it's a free gift. They know that it's offered to them. All they have to do is receive it. Healing is a free gift. You just have to receive it. Just just start off with something. So there's two words in the Greek that are healing words. Okay. The first one is aeomai. Okay. It's used a lot when Jesus just heals people on the spot. Like he walks by a dead person who is in a funeral. They don't ask him. They do nothing. He just walks through the funeral, touches the guy while he's on like the processional, and the guy hops up. A-O-M-I. Okay? But there's lots of places where Jesus heals. They get better immediately. Bam. Okay? Now, the other word it is generally used in this other way, and it is therapeo. Okay? So, if your ears are not lying to you, you've probably heard this word somewhere in your life. It's like therapy. Now, if you break it down in the Greek, it kind of lends itself to care. It lends itself to interaction. One of the ways they use this word therapy is to serve. And so sometimes Jesus is healing them, but he is interacting with their cooperation. Jesus comes through and he's like, hey, uh, you right there. They're like, you heal me. He's like, cool. You go wash in the pool. Go wash your eyes off in the pool. And he like washes all the mud off. And he's like, I see people walking around like trees. And then Jesus comes up and touches him again, and then he can see perfectly. He interacted with obedience and then experienced healing. Like the man with the the arm, all up here. Jesus could have been just like, hey, bro, your, your hand's fine. Check it out. But he's not. He says, stretch forth your hand. And as he stretched, he experienced the healing of God. There's 10 lepers. Lepers, you don't touch them. You don't, you know, that, don't go near those guys. And they're not allowed to come near you. Jesus walks up and he says, cool, you guys want to be healed? They're like, yeah, we want to be healed. He said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, they're like, okay. So they took off walking, all leopard out. And the Bible says that as they went, they were healed. As they went, as they were obedient to what God was saying. And I'm not saying that it has to be this way every time, but I'm saying that sometimes we want God to go bam, but sometimes God will give you a healing touch and then you've got to recover. Actually, what I I thought was my deathbed. Seven days of fever, COVID, it was bad news. My dad calls me, he's like, hey son, and he prays for me. And the day that he prayed for me was a turning around in my life. A turning around. I experienced healing from that day forward that was supernatural. And then it was like recovery. I had to recover. If you looked at me during those days, I was like, I had dropped like 40 pounds. I had decided at that point I was no longer going to try to be skinny because I didn't want to look like that. I looked like death. 
and I had long hair and a long beard because I was, you know, kind of in hippie mode. And uh, you remember my long hair and beard? So imagine that on a scraggly looking guy with his eyes sunk in. You're like, that guy is going to (laughs) die. And it wasn't easy. I had to like grow, but the healing touch had begun to happen in my body. And probably you have the same thing. There's sometimes where things are like instantaneously healed. And sometimes it's like therapeo. It's like you interact by faith with God and you know it. And it's like, I started saying like, I'm, I'm going to live and then I'm going to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to be full of health. And, and then my hair fell out. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Cause I like my hair, you know, like, I don't want to, I, I want to be like my dad, but not like that, you know? And, and I was like, thank you God that my hair is growing back because I know that's not part of your thing. Health. I was like, thank you, God, because the healing touch in my life. And there's some stuff in your life, like, God is healing you from day by day. I'm going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. But what I want to say is this, God's will is healing. How do we know this? Acts 10.38 says this. This is the sermon they preached about Jesus. Okay? This is Peter preaching a sermon. He says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. This is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It is Jesus' mission statement just kind of wrapped up right there. You want to talk about Jesus? God anointed Jesus. He put his Holy Spirit on Jesus anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all under the power of the devil because God was with him. It doesn't just say, you know, he came and he was sacrificed for sins and you can go to heaven too. That's our message. Peter's message was bigger than that. Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. Sounds like what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Surely he bore our sorrows. Surely he bore our sickness. Our sin is on him. Our infirmities by his stripes, we are healed. It sounds like the same kind of language, but unfortunately, we're just a little bit comfortable with just a few miracles. We don't want to bother Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus is is yelling at Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on Anywhere, where are you? Please come. Heal me, heal me. He was not settling. And there's enough of us that are just settling for okay Christianity. Here's what I want to go to. A lot of times we are... limiting ourselves interacting with God because we feel unworthy. More people come to me and go, I know that God hears you when you pray. We used to do it to dad, right? I know if you pray, dad, something will happen. Because I know what I was like yesterday. I know what I was like last year. I'm still paying for the sins of my past. And Jesus says, you don't pay for the sins of your past. He bore your iniquities. He was punished for you. So stop acting like you got to be punished. The devil would love to convince you that your sickness, your issues are a problem because you sinned and God is punishing you. 
At the same time, you're singing, you're a good, good father. And I'm in time out. And I'm in time out. I got this disease. Must be your punishment. We are so quick to let God take the responsibility when he wants to come and relieve you. He wants to come and heal you. It's just like somebody says, I'll, I'll come to church when I, I get my life. I'm, I got to get some things together. I'll come to church. And you're like, no, come to church. That's where you get it together. And it's like we're doing the same thing. Like I got to be better and then Jesus will heal me. And that's not the way it works. God desires to heal. Can I tell you this? I see more people healed who don't know Jesus, who don't believe in Jesus, who don't even like Jesus than Christians. You want to know why? Because most of the time when I pray with Christians, they're like, I don't know. I'm just going to bear this cross. And Jesus is like, I'm buried. It's not the cross I have for you. It's not what Jesus said. We take that, to pick up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Like you got to wake up every morning and put on your diabetes. You got to wake up every morning and put on your pain and take another pill. I'm not against pills. But we just wear them. And the Bible says when Jesus talks about that cross, just a few paragraphs later, he's like, come to me, all you who are weary and bear down and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. He says, take my load upon you. Take my cross upon you. And you know what he says about his cross? It's easy and light. He says, I'll trade you. So my question is, would you believe God for healing? First thing is, we don't believe God that we're worthy of healing or to even pray for healing. The second thing is, we don't, we're not convinced that God wants to heal. And I'm, I want to tell you that God wants to heal. God desires to heal. He desires for his people to be free. If, if, if you're not convinced of that, you got to get in the Bible more. you got to read the word more. you got to be convinced that God wants healing and wholeness for your life. And the third thing is that we won't step out because we don't understand it. You want me to give you a whole dissertation and line out so that when you tell your friends that you're going to pray for them, that you're like, well, let me give you point A, B, and C. Okay, you want to understand it all. I wish I could just, you know, Brandon's talked for two hours already, and I don't even think he used his notes once. He was just preaching off whatever the heck he wanted to preach. Yeah, because I'm trying to get it to you. I want to be convinced that God wants this for your life. It's just like when you were getting saved, and I'm like, I got to tell you. And you were trying to tell your friends, and you were like, I got to tell you about how. And they're like, I don't know. That sounds like a, a magical creation out there. Jesus and the Easter money. It's like, I don't know everything about it, but my life is different. You didn't have to have it all figured out to be saved. Why do you have to have it all figured out to be healed? They just started like this. My ears are ringing about Jesus. I'll go and see what he can do. And I bet when he asked, he was walking home in doubt. Until these people came around. Hey, 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 oh, your son is okay. No, I, I can just imagine him dropping to his knees and saying, my son, I just thought, I thought it was a lost cause. And he starts calculating. He's like, what time was it? What time? Well, it would have been about 
1 p.m. It was like we just had lunch and we went upstairs and there was there it was. Really? That's the exact time Jesus said, Your son is healed. And if God can do that then, he can do it now. The greatest mistake you make is putting Jesus in the past when he's a right now God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. It's the same. It's the same. Jesus goes up into heaven and an angel comes down and he's like, hey, why are you standing here? They're like, well, Jesus just went up. We're not sure what to do. And he said, this same Jesus will come back. We believe that it's the same Jesus right now. Same Jesus. Stand to your feet, everyone. Just lift your hands. Let's invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we do a healing work in our lives. Healing work in our mind that we believe you. We step in. You heal relationships. You heal sickness. You you heal things. God, that's what you do. Forgive us for ever believing anything else. Forever believing anything else. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. I'm going to talk about that next week. But right now, reveal yourself in signs, wonders, and miracles. Just like the Bible says there that... Just like it says that, oh my God, Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power. Jesus. Anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power. Signs, wonders, and miracles. In this place, if you have sickness in your body, you guys can put your hands down. It doesn't matter. Just... uh, a sickness in your body. You just need a touch from God in your body. Where are you at? Raise your hand. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. If somebody's next to you with their hand up, put your hand on them and we're going to pray. If they have a mask on, don't get too close. Respect their space. God can touch through masks. Father, right now, we declare your healing power. Heal sickness and disease. Heal organs. Heal organs right now. Just for for three weeks, I feel like God has been saying there's somebody who got a report of a tumor. They don't know if it's cancer or not, but somebody has a, a, a report of a tumor. Anybody have that report? Report of a tumor. Just wave at me. Report of a tumor. It's okay if they're not here. Okay. Father, we thank you that you dissolve tumors. You make all things right. I pray that when we look at MRIs, when we look at... Father, when we look at what the doctors have to say, they're baffled because what was there is not there. In Jesus' name. I don't even know what this is, but I keep hearing autoimmune disease. Does somebody have an autoimmune disease? Autoimmune disease. Okay. Right there. Put your hands on her. Father, we thank you. Autoimmune disease right now is cursed in the name of Jesus. The power of God would flow and be restored 
the body would be restored, that this would be so pivotal in her life that everyone around her would see and know your glory, your glory because of it, God. That the love of God be poured out on her heart and her body right now by the Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself, God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Fear is plaguing people every single day. God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's not part of your psyche and your makeup. Fear is, I mean, they just, oh yeah, it's part of it. And your mental health, they want to give you a million excuses to be fearful. And then they want to feed you fear and then act like it's, you know, something you need to manage. If anybody here is fearful, just raise your hand. We're going to pray for the spirit of fear to be cursed and off your life. Right now, we just curse the spirit of fear. We declare hope and love right now. And we therapeo, we put therapy in. We say that every single day we choose hope. We choose Jesus in every fiery dart of the wicked that comes with fear. We curse and cancel right now by your spirit and by your power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Don't entertain fear anymore. Curse it in the name of Jesus. And pray for knees because Chris has got bad knees. He keeps falling off of trucks. Anybody else got a bad knee? Okay. I see you there, man, with your little hose, hosiery on. All right. Put your hand on his knee. Father, we thank you for whole knees in the name of Jesus. Cartilage coming back, ligaments restored to health. In Jesus' name, knees to be restored and renewed and backs to come into alignment that are causing pressure on hips and knees. Right now, backs to come into alignment. That would lay down at night, it's like everything's different. It's like the, the power of heaven flows in our body. Let things be different by the power of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, anybody who I prayed for that has hurt that they can check, okay? Like you don't have to go to the doctor and like have it rechecked out. Check that out. Anybody feel like the power of God is moving in their body today, whether it's right there, awesome. Anybody else feel the power of God? Amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Okay, so we're gonna have testimony time at some point. If you got, if you got a testimony about healing, I wanna hear it from today. All right? Okay? Father, may the fame of who you are, your love, your healing power, your restoration be in our ears, in our minds, in our lives, in our families. Let us believe bigger for you, from you. Let us believe bigger for our families, for our bodies, for our minds, for our health. In Jesus' name, we know and we are convinced every single day that by your stripes we are healed in Jesus name. Amen. You can go and we'll see you next week. God bless you.